Fun fact about Claire. On the pursuit of perfect skin, like Jessica Simpson, Claire bought proactive skincare online, where she sensibly skipped the patch test and went straight for cleaning her entire face. <laughs> Only hours later, when getting ready for her first ever date with Wally, she ignored the fact that her face was tingling. Hours after the at, whilst on the date, her face started to burn, so she excused herself, went to the bathroom, and she discovered that her lovely face was less Claire and more Elephant Man. <laughs> she rushed out of the bathroom and tried to explain to the very confused Wally that the face that he was looking at was not actually her face and she had to leave. Then they got married. <laughs> it's true. It's true. times to come. Can you please post a photo of that on the Instagram page? I will post a photo of my face. Because <laughs> it, was, it was magical. It's one of my favourite things that's ever happened. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Good Sheilers, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're long-time friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the gut. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilers. Oh, hello out there, cats and kittens. This week we're bringing you another excellent guest because you deserve it. Uh, again, we're focusing um, not exactly on coronavirus. Uh, yeah, what is it? Exactly. Coronavirus <laughs> itself because we aren't scientists, you guys. We're Speak just... For yourself. <laughs> you are also not one. And amazingly, I don't even think a lawyer. I'm the president. <laughs> We're just tired mums, uh, but more so um, we're focusing on the social impacts that the coronavirus has had. Look how you said it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a scientist. <laughs> Today we'll chat about personal grooming and how we've happily thrown it to the dogs. Um, we're also going to talk about privilege. I mean, are we ever allowed to freely complain or should we only be allowed to complain to those who have more? So our guest today is one of the world's most awarded and sought after advertising copywriters, the mastermind behind some of the most successful advertising campaigns globally. You have seen her stuff, I guarantee it. She is magical. She's also a passionate university lecturer and a proud advocate of equality. She's used her platform to educate other people on how this world can be better. And she does it all while being a beautiful, brilliant, single mum to beautiful little four-year-old Alfie. Welcome to the show, our lovely, amazing friend, Shannon Crow. Oh, what lovely accolades. Most of them I wrote for myself. <laughs> no way. No, you are truly amazing. And we have, we've known Shannon for a really long time. She's also from Canberra. It's true. So that's sexy. So we're sorry. <laughs> And we really are excited to have you on the show, Shan. We know that you're constantly like in between Melbourne and somewhere else, um, 
sometimes more exciting and sometimes um, gunning. <laughs> and at the moment you're here and we, you have agreed to be on the show and thank you so, so, so much. Um, we wanted to know how you're feeling about isolation itself and how has it changed the way you present yourself? Um, so isolation itself is a big thing to unpack, but I guess I'll start with the self-maintenance and presentation. Um, Alfie and I were away on holidays in Vanuatu when the whole coronavirus border lockdown, planes being cancelled thing happened. And I'm a chronic overpacker and this time to Vanuatu I was like, right, I'm absolutely not going to overpack. I'm taking a shoulder bag with enough toiletries to last us for a few days, enough undies to last us even less than that because we've got swimmers. And then we got stuck in Vanuatu for an extra week. We had. Oh, <laughs> which sounds like, a, which, like, I know when I heard this story, I was like, oh, amazing, stuck in Vanuatu. But it's not the reality. It wasn't that glamorous, right? No, not at all. So Vanuatu, like, lives and dies on tourism and tourism was drying up before their eyes. So I think everybody was starting to get a bit panicky. Um, there were a lot of rumours about the airport closing indefinitely before everybody had been able to fly home, so that was making me panicky. Um, and, yeah, I hadn't packed leg raises, I hadn't pack packed fresh undies, I didn't have shampoo and conditioner, so uh, the throwing the personal presentation to the dogs thing was baptism by fire. And oh, I yeah. I took to it like <laughs> a hairy duck to water. <laughs> so, so what's changed? I mean... Before you went to Vanuatu, compared to now, what does the amount of rooming look like? Oh, look, I guess because I work for myself, usually at home by myself, I don't have to get dressed up for people very much. There's occasional video calls. But even then, um, I, I found that usually clients come to me and so I feel like there's a little bit of, uh, I, oh, what am I trying to say? Um, usually clients come to me so I don't feel like I have to, prove myself necessarily and so I do often do video calls to Singapore in my active wear um so I yeah and well, yeah well they're not well they're not hiring for how you look they're hiring exactly. for what you can do and what you do is magical and so yeah. they should be bloody grateful you answered their call <laughs> <laughs> but like before before all this happened yeah so what what was your grooming like um so I, I like I would shave my legs <laughs> Yeah, I went through a stage there where I was having regular manicures and getting SNS nails and I felt like the process itself was really lovely and luxurious and such well-deserved me time. Um, and plus when I don't have SNS nails on, my nails are all like short and stumpy and look like little boys or little bronze. <laughs> How dare you! I can hear you! <laughs> extensions and then changed that to getting eyelash tints so you know there's gone in peaks and troughs but I guess a regular month would just be putting on a little bit of makeup if I had to go out washing my hair regularly um you know being aware of what I look like in other people's eyes and catering to their gaze to a certain extent but also just being comfortable. Do you think as a single mum you have uh, kind of more pressure on you to present in a particular way? I guess I don't, I wouldn't be proud of everybody thinking, oh God, she's struggling so much, she can't keep on top of her appearance. Um, but that's everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That hasn't, I don't think that's particular. I guess you have, it would seem that you would have more to prove because you made the decision to have Alfie by yourself 
from the get-go. Like, you yeah. were like, that's it, this is happening, and I'm going to do it, and this is fine. So I know that you were, and I know, um, we might touch on this later if you're comfortable, yeah. but I, I know that you have never asked for, you've never really asked for help, or you've never looked particularly like you were struggling, even though you might have been. We've never really known because you've made a conscious effort to never look like you've ever regretted the decision of Albie. Not that you ever would. Does <laughs> no. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I think, um, you know, for a lot of women and speaking for me personally, when I feel like I'm presenting myself well to the world, then I feel a lot more confident in myself. Um, and so, yeah, they're part and parcel and they help me to carry myself um, with more confidence. And, you know, that is not necessarily what I'm feeling inside. But if I'm looking at it on the outside and people are treating me like I've got it all together, then that's how I feel. Yeah. But isn't and that such an interesting reflection, though? Like, we, our aesthetic selves are, like, proving that we have everything else in order. You know, the, the idea that you would look good and just like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a great mum and, I've, you know, I've got it all together. And if you don't, that we make inferences about what the rest of our lives look like. And here we yeah. are all are in ISO, you know, not showering very often all the time. <laughs> Where you look horrible. <laughs> There's this amazing author, her name is Car um, Caroline Mayer, and she uh, wrote a book called The Psychology of Fashion, and she stated that some of us will regard this time as an opportunity to make changes we've been wanting to make. We may stop wearing high heels and shapewear, and if we're feminists, we may see this as a chance to reflect on why we wear these things in the first place. And I absolutely love that quote because I think a lot of the things that I – was wearing or doing or you know like the amount of exercise I was doing for example or the you know how much how often I dyed my hair or how often I shaved my legs or the, how tight my jeans were all of these things seemed like my decision mm. and now that I'm in isolation I um am exercising but not as much um and I have not dyed my hair in maybe two months and I have haven't worn makeup. Uh, I think I've maybe worn makeup once. I think in this entire time, um, I have grown out my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, yes. yeah, I honestly want to see. I want to see their full potential. Like I've been plucking these bad boys since I was <laughs> terribly since I was maybe 13 because I have an older sister and anyone who has an older sister knows that you try desperately to be their age so that they'll like you and I just wanted so much so much to have the right everything and so I overplucked my eyebrows in really early age and now as a 33 year old woman I want to see what the actual what is my face supposed to look like <laughs> Like, and so now I'm growing them out and I want to see and I, every time I look in the mirror there's this, like a millisecond where I'm like oh god um and then and then I'm like oh no wait this is actually liberating yeah like, this is fun it is fun it's also really interesting because for me it's been a slippery slope I'm like today I was like okay I don't really feel like having a shower and then for breakfast I have normal food and then for morning tea I got two slices of bread and I fried them in butter <laughs> Going from kind of self care to, to self 
you know, there's a lot of kind of micro steps in between which are really liberating. Like, you know, not, not feeling the pressure to perform all the time, every day. And I've realised in this time how often I was hyper-conscious of what I looked like through somebody else's eyes. Like going to the shops or going to work. I'm not seeing myself or feeling how I feel in myself. I'm seeing how somebody else is seeing me and assessing me. Mm-hmm. And having that lifted off is really interesting, but also quite confronting because what are you left with? You're just left with your own idea of yourself. And what does that look like? Well, I know, Claire, like when I look at, uh, you know, moments with you, you've had one time you turned up to school drop-off because Claire, um, Claire's daughter and my daughter go to the same school. You turn up to drop-off in this most magnificent dress, look like you were a bridesmaid, but like a good one. Like not like this like not this like lavender taffeta shit you're all thinking like this was like this beautiful floral flowy dress and everyone was like whoa Claire you look amazing and you're like yeah had the worst week I'm having a really hard time I need deserve this dress and it's like so we do like there are things that we do for ourselves that you know our appearance that we do make ourselves feel better. So Shannon, why did you get eyelash extensions? <laughs> <laughs> cool segue. <laughs> I'm desperate to know. I think, you know, this is probably like something that all mums go through, but when you first have your baby, it's so easy to feel so invisible. Mm. And when that starts to lift, it, it's such a great and addictive feeling as well. And there's so many things available to women to like modify and renovate and restore their faces that are getting cheaper and cheaper and easier to access so I did that I didn't go for the Russian volume roadkill eyelashes but they like did get longer each time that's a good taste <laughs> no yours were very tasty thank you thank you there's always Zoe Foster Blake on Instagram with Aww. her beautiful eyelashes and everyone wants to be her so um, but also, my eyelashes and my eyebrows are very fair, so I'm going the opposite way to you, Bron. I've been getting my eyebrows tattooed on for the past couple of years, and now that that is not available to me, my eyebrows are fading, fading, fading. <laughs> turning into the one colour. <laughs> it's, it's really, I guess, are we comfortable with doing a bit of a shared checklist on the maintenance that we've done since, I guess, Christmas? I'm happy to start. Yeah, go on. Okay, I've had, I've had some Botox. Hands up if you've had Botox. (laughs) 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 Which is problematic in itself, but I always promised myself that if I got it, I would be honest about it. Um, I've had um, my nails done. I've had my hair done. I've had um, back rubs. That doesn't really count, right? No. No, back rub. (laughs) That's not maintenance. (laughs) What the hell is a back rub? (laughs) Do you need a massage? Yeah. tattooed on him and he um, <laughs> smart he I remember um, like going into like the um, to the bathroom and waxing my moustache really really quickly and like, <laughs> I was desperately hoping he didn't notice me do it and then one day he saw that I did it and he was like oh yeah and I was like oh my god this must be such a huge surprise for you that I do this he's like no no way on our first date when um, I kissed you I could you have spiky lips <laughs> <laughs> 
seconds. That's cool. So that's cool. But I waxed my moustache, which I'm growing out, and that feels lovely to grow out. Um, I dye my hair. Uh, yep, sometimes. I got a perm, <laughs> and we all know who's to blame for that, Claire. I told you that it wasn't a great idea initially, <laughs> and I sent you photos of someone that you abundantly, and we're never going to recover No, it was your fault. I was like, Shannon, you also said it was going to be a good idea. Yeah, I had a perm, and I liked my perm. Yeah, I think you just got a bad perm. Yeah, cool. But so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, what else? What do you know? What else? But uh, um, I think... Will you guys change it when you go back to, to normal life? When uh, you look, since Christmas, I haven't really done that much. And I think that, you know, I was working at an ad agency last year and I was also teaching at a university. And this year, I made a conscious decision to stop working for other people and just concentrate on working for myself. And with that came letting go of a lot of the things that I would do more regularly last year. So I think this year all I've really done is had a haircut and used whitening gel because it was out of date and I thought I should use it while it's a little bit out of date. They are sparkling. A lot of out of date. <laughs> it's always so sparkling. Um, I couldn't get a pedicure because I went for a run and my toenail fell off so that got <laughs> <laughs> forced to lock down before it even began. So yeah, lucky I began. I was peeling from being sunburnt. I had a cold sore and I was missing a toenail so I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to not see anyone and have no one see me. <laughs> But it's nice, but I also think like when we when we think about you know when people come and look after our kids and they go say like oh you know go treat yourself treat yourself for a woman is a pedicure or yeah, a manicure or go get your hair done yeah. which is uh, when you know it feels quite nice at the time but and afterwards you're like yes I've made it look everyone can see that I have time for this it's like I didn't have time for this I had to pull in a massive fucking favor to get my nails done and obviously I do not get my nails done stop looking at them <laughs> sick of the bullying but it is funny when you see someone who is really kind of has all these like glitz and glamour things like oh they're beautiful nails or her hair looks lovely you assume that she's relaxed and they cost these things cost us time as well and I think this is the most interesting thing now that all we all seem to have is an abundance of it they seem like looking back an incredible waste of time when everything is kind of put on a precipice and we don't know what's going to happen to us or our families or our communities and I look back at, you know, that exactly that example, like going as a treat to myself to get a pedicure and just, you know, that very that very idea that as a treat to myself I would go and have, you know, my skin hacked away at by somebody <laughs> with like an actual razor and it hurts and it's uncomfortable and, yeah, it looks nice, but it only looks nice because I've been told that it's important that it looks like if you strip it right back. You know, it looks way better than my feet do now. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, it's because we've been taught that, right? We've been taught that. And that, like natural is not attractive, and yeah. that something like painting our 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 skin is attractive. It's it's really bizarre. Like the socio you know, the sociological implications of this is really strange. And maybe this is a chance to step back and say, actually, I don't want to do these weird things anymore because they don't matter. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also think it's really it, the probably the best thing you ever said. And I've been waiting for it because <laughs> everything you've said has been absolute dog shit. To me. <laughs> <laughs> is we have yeah. all we have is time right now, yeah. and also we have a heap of money now because we're not spending it on like the pubs and stuff. We have money to buy like fancy nail polish, and we have time to wash our hair, but we're not doing any of that. And so why, you know, why do we even do it? <laughs> In the first place, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if, if nothing, if if nothing else, I think I'll go back to ordinary life, whatever that looks like, with a 
hopefully a renewed perspective. But the, the sad thing is, guys, I reckon this time next year is when the first offer tables will go back to normal. Yeah. Because we're we're gonna that that it'll be reinforced by celebration. It's like, oh, finally, I can get my nails done. Like, and, and it's really interesting going online to the people you know that I get my hair done with and stuff, and they're putting up these memes and jokes like, you know, oh, you know. It's okay. We're reopening soon. We know that your husband won't look at you. Like these, these really yeah. aggressive things. Like basically calling everybody who isn't groomed ugly and embarrassing, and it's accepted. Like everyone's like, hey, like that's just you're bullying everybody, and it's not okay. It's true. But to be fair, I've given my son a COVID nineteen haircut, and I've given my mum a COVID nineteen haircut. <laughs> oh, did you? They're not looking great. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Shannon. Uh, yeah, just like you're making all the changes we need to see. <laughs> I did see a photo of your son, and I would I would like to share that also, if you don't mind, on our Instagram page if you want to. Totally. It's his hair is hilarious. <laughs> it is. He looks like um, I'm Jim Carrey. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet, but he looks like Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumb. So <laughs> that's something. Best thing he's for, and he doesn't he know. It. He's so tough. <laughs> So we've unpacked how we're looking and I think we are three women who in a crisis are embracing the realities of our bodies and ageing and that has its challenges but actually we've got to pick up on what's really important about it particularly to our kids who are watching us and going oh that's what mum really looks like and that's Mm. fine they don't give a shit. How are we feeling? Shannon how are you feeling? (laughs) Um, I feel fine I think you know as Bron mentioned I I have my son and I had my son by myself since the start and I was already by myself when I fell pregnant. So it's my decision since the very beginning. Um, and then working for myself at home by myself means that that's a very isolating experience as well. So I have been socially distancing for four and a half years now. <laughs> and, yeah, I think it's kind of a walk in the park. <laughs> Do you enjoy it? I mean, that, that normal trajectory of your life when you don't see loads of people? Uh, like, I am naturally introverted, so I don't hate it, but, yeah, like, the loneliness and isolation is very real, Mm. definitely, Um, but also, most of the time, I don't have a choice, so it's easier to find things that I enjoy than Mm. fight it. Does it feel different now that there are parameters around it? Like, it's it's not just, you know, your lifestyle, but, you know, the government saying you can't leave the house until you're back to normal life. Like Shannon, you were you were um, you were quarantined for two weeks after you got back from Vanuatu. You couldn't you could not leave your house. Like, yeah. how did that feel? I uh, like my house. When you say my house, it was an apartment. It was a very <laughs> small apartment. I had a big terrace, thank goodness. But I was in an apartment with a very active four-year-old boy and a very active dog. So the apartment felt very small. But also, we're both homebodies, so it was fine. I think that you know that there's always been these parameters that are outside of my control because as soon as Alfie goes to bed at night time. I'm under house arrest anyway. Mm. Um, you know, I work in an industry where there's really, really tight deadlines and it's not something that I can push back on. So when I have to meet a deadline, I'm under house arrest. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, yeah, I've kind of taken it in my stride because I because it is not that dissimilar to my normal life. And this is one of the one of the reasons why I'm so excited that you're happy to come on is because I know that when this when lockdown happened, just the um, I guess how people reacted to this was so extremely, you know, oh gosh, this and I miss this thing and I miss this person and I, no one, no one can come and help me here and I really want this person to come and it was so there was a list of wishes and a wish a list of things that people missed 
and then speaking to you and you're always so calm and measured yeah. and speaking to you about that you were like oh um yeah that's my life <laughs> <laughs> and this is something I think really fascinating about you Michelle. you never you never complain you never you never you never say that this is hard or this that is hard I mean you seem to take it all in your stride and this is something we wanted to pick up when is it okay to complain we're all really privileged people with mm. different circumstances but you know everyone sitting here in this room is, is, is privileged and we have different challenges in our lives and different levels of comfort when saying that we're not okay and that we're having a rough time um what why, why do you guys think that why do you think that you know we, we never feel like we have permission to say actually I'm not I'm not doing great yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it is so much permission to say I'm not doing great, but I'm always very aware of other people's struggles, I think, and like putting my struggles into context of my lived experience, but then kind of creating a buffer around that so that people don't feel sorry for me or I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like, well, I've never felt sorry for you, but how do you, how do you feel when a dickhead like Claire or myself says to you, Oh God, I'm having. It's been so hard. Like my partner just went away for three nights, and I had to raise the kids by myself. <laughs> when someone says that they're a single mum because their dad went, <laughs> the dad went away for the weekend, yeah, so. that drives me crazy. Easy. Why do you do that? That's I'm really single mumming it. Yeah. Oh. Solo parenting for two nights. Like you are fucking not. <laughs> She's turning green. Exactly. <laughs> like, we don't even have showers for two nights at the moment. You, who cares if you've got to take care of the kids for two nights? I, yeah, I don't, like, I don't but know. But you never do that. You never do. Like, I know, I, know that some, I know that some people would come back and say, can you please not say that? It's actually infuriating. I want to kill you. But you were always like, yeah, that must be really tough. Even though Which it's just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> why do you do that? Like, I'm sure it is tough for them, but also, I don't know, I think that if they need me to call them up on it, then it's like, I feel like it's a waste of my energy. I'd rather yeah. surround myself with people who are empathetic enough to the people around them to go, oh, mm. actually, maybe I shouldn't say that around you, or maybe I should say, you know, I can understand a little bit more. Because mm. I know, well, and from my point of view, I have felt that in terms of what the what what's happening right now with coronavirus, I have felt bad saying that I am having a good time because mm. my circumstances and my privilege have put me in a position where this is this is actually quite enjoyable. I'm at home with the girls who are relatively the same age, got a partner who is working from home and he still has a job. Um, I'm on long service leave. Like there's an like the why my life is great is is pretty wrong, but I can't. I feel like saying I actually really love this to people is such a kick in the dick for them. Like they look at me like you, you fucking asshole. Like don't, don't like. And it's the opposite of complaining, right? It almost seems like gloating. Yeah. And then I feel bad that I'm doing that. And Claire, I know you felt bad about complaining. Mm, yeah. I I I feel I feel like a piece of shit every time I complain. I feel so guilty. I just all I can think of is everything that I do have, and so often my I'm trying I'm trying really hard to get better at it and about saying to people I trust and love that you know this might be hard, but generally my MO is that everything's fine. I'm great and everything's okay. 
which is usually a shield over, you know, the reality. But it's exactly what you were saying, Shannon, is that you can always think about a million people in the world who've got it way fucking worse than you. And to say that something is tough feels like feels like you're being a massive dick because I, I just always feel the pressure and it's a legitimate pressure. It's very real and it's, it's a, it's a responsive, responsibility thing to look at other people and go, actually, I, there's nothing that I can complain about. But the reality is that this, you know, the last, um, it's, got, it's getting a little bit better, but the last six weeks or however long it's been, 100 years, has been really hard for my family. And um, in different in different ways, people, are, you know, in my family are doing it pretty tough. Like my partner is struggling with mental health. My five-year-old is, is struggling with being inside and she just can't cope. And I'm picking up the pieces and trying to navigate it. But in the back of my head, I'm like, we, we're st- we both have jobs. We're so lucky. And we have a safe place to live. We're so lucky. But then if I strip it away a little bit, nobody's happy. <laughs> and so, but, but is it okay yes, to I say that? Up. Yes, of course. I reckon, yeah. Like, I reckon fine. No, I don't think everyone, I don't think it's a, it's a competition of who's having the worst time. And I think it's okay to say, like, you know, this, this part, like, yeah, I have a job, but it's also really bloody hard to do it at home. And my kids don't care that I've got a job. Like, they don't understand that I have to be on this conference call for however long, like what you guys have to do. So I think it's okay for you guys to be able to complain. I just, I, you know, within reason, you're not going to walk up to someone who's just lost their yeah, home, and their so family, everything. So hard. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I think you have to choose your audience and mm-hmm. choose what reaction you want as well. Like, if you're after empathy, then don't talk about having a job and how hard it is to people who've just lost their job. Yeah. Um, and I know like a few days into isolation, you were talking about being really lonely and just like, oh, in my experience, loneliness yeah. gets easier because I was like, I've been really lonely for a long time. Well, Choose your audience, Claire. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't, no, that's, no, no, that's no, the thing, I didn't even, like, that's, that's a perfect example of why yeah. I shouldn't complain, I didn't think about that. Yeah, but also, like, I'm glad that you did because I don't want you to, like, censor yourself around me either. Mm, that's, that's really interesting. And, but that's the thing, like, when you, when you reflect on your life, and you talk about something that, that is making you feel bad and then you talk to somebody else where it's already making them feel bad and that's invisible to you. Like, you have a responsibility to think about that before you act. And, like, you know, in that I said something which hurt you and that's such shit. So, like, yeah, I think before anybody says something about where they're at right now, it's you have to, I guess, take a breath and go, who are you speaking and what is their context and how could this make them feel? But at the same time, it's also okay to say... I'm having a great time or I'm having a shit time. Just that honesty is important. But navigating these spaces, particularly right now, yeah. in the context we're in right now when everyone is just a bundle of fragility and nerves and worry, uh, it's, it's, it's really hard to get it right in your, oh, in your totally. relationships. I was on, um, I think it was Facebook the other day, and I saw someone post, I think, because I just post endless just nonsense about, like, how ridiculous is this? And I'm making fun of a lot of stuff because that's how I cope. And someone uh, posted shortly after it. I'm not sure if it was because of mine, but, hey, everyone, I'm sick to death of people making fun of this horrific time. Uh, People have lost their jobs. Some people are losing their homes. The we like there will be people who will be losing their lives, and you guys are making fun of this. This is absolutely disgusting, and you should be ashamed of yourselves. Mm. And I was like, okay, I was annoyed by her post, mm. and I was like, I can see where you're coming from, but that is your responsibility to disengage with a platform 
that is almost like you know 50% of the time is comical you can't expect that everyone is going to be sitting in devastation with you and if people are making fun of something then you need to be like okay cool I'm just going to sit in my devastation by myself I don't think that's fair I think I think that I think that she was probably navigating something herself and her grief came out in that way and she felt like she had to make a call probably not the right context to do it in I mean shouting into the internet is not a helpful way to get anything done but at the same time stepping back to this idea that everybody is navigating this really really differently yeah but why like why make someone feel because the people who are like surely like comedy people use comedy to get through something mm. so if someone's feeling like really stressed about maybe potentially losing their job and they're like hey how crazy is this time and i'm blah, 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 and like hoping people are also going to come to the party with yeah i'm also laughing about this too than her going you guys are handling this completely the wrong way mm. i that like no one's coming to her and saying you're handling it the wrong way mm. it's no one is like saying you can and can't do things i think that is an inaccurate way what do you think shan um yeah, I, like, I, I was listening to a, um, a live broadcast by the mayor of New York this morning and he was talking about how a lot of people are saying that, you know, social, social isolation equals death. And he's like, no, this illness equals death and it's not just your death, it's other people's death. And so I think that, you know, it's very easy when we can't go out of our homes to go inside ourselves and get stuck there. Um, but I think that the most important thing at the moment is realising that, you know, this is a public health thing and our actions affect other people. Nobody's getting it completely right and nobody's doing it completely wrong. We all just have to look after ourselves in the best way we can and just look after each other. But, yeah, I don't know. There's just so much pressure on everybody that it's very easy to combust. And um, nobody knows how to do it right. Nobody exactly. knows the right thing to say or do is right now. And everyone's exactly. doing it wrong. Yeah. So what would you – if you could, Shan, if you could take off your filter uh, <laughs> and, you, and someone said to you today – oh, my God, I am, like, I'm having the hardest time at home. I have had to do parenting all by myself today, uh, and um, I haven't seen my friends in days. <laughs> Take a filter off, Shan, chuck it in the bin, oh, let it rip. depending on who it was, I'd say sometimes parenting by yourself is a lot easier than parenting with a shit husband, so stick that in your pipe and smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> Yeah, again, that's a comparative thing. That's looking at my situation and finding the positives compared to other people's situations. But one of the great things about having Alfie by myself is that I've never had to doubt my parenting and I've never had to compromise and I've never had to pick up someone's slack or wonder, you know, what has been done because I've bloody done it all. But there is a lot of peace of mind that comes with that as well. So, Yeah. Yeah. You have been, uh, as uh, I was raised by a single mum and it looked, it looked hard, um, the way my mum did it because I guess there were four kids and I'm yeah, sort of, she had a million kids. She had too many. Look, let's be honest, what a slut. But you, <laughs> but you have, um, you do it just seemingly so effortlessly. Yeah, and yeah. I know that's not true. Like, it ha there's such a huge effort. Like, you've got this really incredible four year old boy who has so many things to say and do and places to be. Uh, he expects a scarf to be knitted in, in <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> he expects so many. Yeah. He's such an excellent kid who has not, he's been raised by like this ferocious woman who's never asked for help. And I think that um, you having to, I, I don't know, get through the world of like building your own career and you've built an incredible career 
almost as good as mine. I don't, <laughs> I don't have one. And it, uh, but you just like you feel this incredible career, and you have got this wonderful son, and you just you have to deal with numbskulls saying things to you like, "Hey, guess what? Um, I'm a single, I single mummed it last night." <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, I think it's it's really interesting that from you know from the outside, you do look like you are nailing everything like I've never looked at you and felt like anything anything but do you feel do you feel like like there's more space for people to be like actually like you know for example when somebody going back to the example somebody saying oh, I'm a single mom for a weekend yeah. just lifting that up and saying actually there are really hard bits and yes I'm doing a fucking magnificent job of everything but just because I am doesn't mean that you get to hold your little bit of challenge over me um yeah I mean I don't know. They can do whatever they like. I think. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, like it, it definitely hasn't been easy. But my relationship with Alfie's dad was harder than this, mm. so this is quite joyful. Yeah, <laughs> and he's so good. Imagine if you got a shit one. Yeah, it's all loud. Imagine if you got one of our kids. <laughs> was, yeah. Um, an example of how lovely Alfie was. He um, a little while ago he saw me knitting. And he said, oh, that's very beautiful. Who are you knitting that for? And I said, oh, I'm knitting it for Edie. And he said, oh, could you please knit one like that for my mum? And I said, oh, okay, why? And he said, because she doesn't have a purple scarf and she would really like a purple scarf, <laughs> which is so that's nice. Empathy He's in four. four. That's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's a lovely little kid. So I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so kind. He's like you're he's just his best friend yeah, in the whole it's world. Amazing. And that's all you. Like you have nobody else that you can look at and go, you contributed to this. That is your parenting. Your yeah. Kid. We've got a funny relationship with the King and I, so he's my little housemate. You're my best mate. You're my kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so nice. No. My mum. Oh, I love my mum. He is the best. And so, yeah, I think um, I would want to say thanks for being on the episode today, Shan. And thanks for being another voice for us because, you know, often we're like, you know, we fall into an echo chamber of our lives are pretty similar. Yeah. Um, Except today I'm wearing gumboots and Claire's wearing Birkenstocks. It's really really thrown us. Uh, But it is, like, even though we see you a lot of the time um, in – We've seen, I was there when I think shortly after Alfie was born. Like, I've seen you through all of the stages, and um, I, I, but I sometimes forget your perspective um, is different to mine. And so, thanks for sharing it, and um, we love you. And I hope that isolation is just like is a little bit different <laughs> to what your real life is. I've been in more regular contact with you guys and a lot of people over the past couple of weeks, and I have. For a very long time, so let's yeah. keep that up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and don't shave your legs, Shan. I'm sure they feel incredible. <laughs> Maybe they'll grow open my missing toenail and go all <laughs> <laughs> Yes! All right, we've been good shielders. Yeah.